0: we uh, we are here
1: with
2: uh Steve Kudlow, Lips from Anvil. And uh, you have a new album out, right? Well, it'll be out, what, February 21st, I think it is?
1: Oh, actually, February 14th. That's what oh. they tell me.
2: Oh, oh I, I just looked it up on Amazon. It the 21st, so I guess it's different over where you are.
1: <laughs> well, uh, where, where are you? Uh, I'm in New York. Well, it should be coming out the 14th. That's yeah. what it says for everywhere. Know, well, maybe maybe on Amazon because it they wait a week before that's when oh. they deliver.
2: Then that's what it is then. Mm. Yep. Can't trust Amazon for anything, I guess. No. Nope. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but uh this is uh I was reading up some stuff. This is uh nineteenth album? Eighteenth. Eighteenth album. Wow, jeez. I didn't realize you had so many albums out already. <laughs> well, <it's... laughs>
1: We've only been around about 45, just,
2: 43 years. Yeah, so. just a few years, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what it is. I'm I'm not new new, but um, when the movie came out, that's when I really got interested in you guys. And um, I didn't know you had uh, so many albums out when that movie came out already. I was like, oh my god when i When I finally saw the movie and I got into you guys, and I tracked down every single album that you own, I was like, oh my god, I didn't realize like these guys had really had a lot of stuff out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you know what the the business the business really fucked us over real good. (laughs) So you know, and and in doing so, you know you you couldn't get you know you couldn't get the production and kind of thing done the way it really should because the lack of money and the way that you know you had to scribe your way through, right? Right. Yeah. You know, record companies that. Generally, all from overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was done on our own. Right. So, you know, the distribution, particularly in the USA, was virtually none. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not really anybody's fault. It's just the way that things worked out.
2: Right. Yeah, it was at that, that period in time where it was just like everybody was having problems. I think really right.
1: Well, once the 90s hit, yeah, yeah. obviously, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Which is funny because...
2: Fundamentally,
1: I mean, the, what really, what actually happened, of course, we did the first three albums and we gained a lot of, a lot of recognition very quickly right. in the first three albums and, and uh, it got to the point where... And we were signed to an independent label labeling right, yeah. in Canada, with no distribution in the USA, but yeah. what eventually happened, there was a lot of of um, of recognition, particularly from Kerrang! magazine and Sounds magazine in the UK, mm. which drew the attention of the big time management company, David Krebs, Lieber and Krebs, which is Ted Nugent Aerosmith's management.
2: Right now, yeah.
1: and of course, they, they, of course they got really interested. Uh, you know, they had connections with the Kerrang! Magazine people, which is ultimately Ross Helfin. I don't know if you don't know who that mm-hmm. is. Yeah, A very, course. very fam- famous photographer. And Ross went to David and said, listen, you got to check out this band from Canada. Because, of course, Ross and Pete Mikowski, who is known as Toots Daily, came to Canada uh, before the uh, the release of Metal on Metal, and they met with us and, they really it really blew up pretty big in in the, in the uk and that of course they went and told david he's got to check us out so we were in recording uh this our third album and the next thing you know there's a phone call from Lieber and krebs management company telling us we got to come to Los or we got to come to down in new york and th- that area and do five shows with aerosmith so right away we're going oh wow okay so we Leave in the middle of recording the third album and go and do these five dates with Aerosmith, and of course now David Krebs wants to sign the band. Everybody's all, you know, we're all psyched out, just going, "Wow, this we're going to hit the big time!" It's all this is all great, and you know the the third album comes out and it's kind of like lukewarm lukewarm reception.
0: Mm.
1: Basically, and fundamentally, it's it's five years ahead of its time. Right yeah. kind of album. And the record companies in the USA are going. What the fuck is this? Okay, <laughs> uh, David Krebs has everybody come down and come see us and at the Aerosmith shows and stuff, and and he's he's getting offers from the major labels, and then you know when he goes to look at it, they want the first three albums for free. Wow. Well, of course, he goes to the record company, the, the independent. Canadian record label and says, listen, give them, give the, give the first three albums to the, the American labels for free. And the guy looks at him, what are you, out of your fucking mind? <laughs> just, we just paid for three albums. We're, we're just starting to recoup. What do you mean give right. it to them for free? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of course, what David did, he talks the label into dropping the band. Mm. And he figured well i'll get i'll get anvil a, a record deal in the u s a and we'll continue on well no one was interested because they couldn't get the first three albums for free because mm. they wanted to use the money that was going to be generated from those three records being sold to right. to uh basically fund the the up and coming album but of right. course they couldn't get the, the the label to release or to or, to sign the records over for free, and there we were in nineteen eighty three finished our third record, and now we're out of a record deal, and pulled out of the out of the whole system for four years, <laughs> and the four most important years in metal history, right yeah and, and then everybody and then at the end of the day, oh, you guys are no good, you guys suck, and you got and it's like it's all our fault, right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we were left stranded at the, in 1987 uh we finally we finally uh kind of pull ourselves our shit together and of course too little too too late in the in a certain sense we had we had to go and uh produce our own record and go back to our first uh, the first studio that we had first worked in and did a where it did an album so we had a we had to go instead of doing a good, good old thirty-two track. <laughs> we're doing, or a twenty-four track. We're doing a sixteen-track recording.
2: Wow! In, in,
1: in, 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 on, and by doing it all by ourselves after we just finished with an English producer, so we put out that we 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 kind of muster up a deal by the time nineteen eighty-seven, eighty-eight comes around with Metal Blade Records, which is of course whatever. Um, and you know we we had a, a song Mad Dog, and we had all this stuff. And you know, like we're we're trying to get a major deal, and we're going to, of course, all of our old friends like like Johnny Z, which is Crazed Management, Anthrax Management. He's yeah. he's going. Listen, man, you got some great songs here, some great ideas, and all that. But you know, I'm I've got my hands full. I've got I've got a, a half a dozen bands I'm working with. Uh, like good luck, guys. Mm. so there we were ending up on metal blade and having metal blade push push a, a a band that's lost its momentum was like having an ant an ant pushing the empire state building it's, just, <laughs> it's not going to happen you know
2: right yeah um, i wonder how many uh, of the other bands that he had over like how many other bands that he had uh how many of them like actually survived like do you know like other bands that he had like are they still around today or no
1: Who's that, Johnny Z? Yeah, yeah. Well, Johnny Z had Overkill. He had Anthrax. Yeah, had-
2: the usuals, but like the things. Maybe there's some bands that we don't know about that you could have probably took their, you know, their spot, and you because you're still around, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've outlived quite a number of the things that he did have. True enough. And believe it or not, he absolutely adores Anvil. I mean, Johnny Z is still, a, you know, a, a great fan and a great friend. But, you know, like I say, you know, you're just, a, it's too too little, too late. You just, right. it's, it's just too bad. Shit didn't come together. And then, of course, that put us into a state of obscurity. And we had to do records all on our own. And it wasn't until, you know, we put out, of course, finally got a record deal overseas on um uh, an independent German label called Massacre, put out a good six or seven albums. <laughs> so by the time we were ready to put out our thirteenth go and record our thirteenth album, I we get a call I get a call from an old friend that um that that we knew that we was a roadie, that we had a roadieing for us that we met at the Marquee in London, England when he was fifteen years old and <laughs> We had taken him all over the all over the all over Quebec and Ontario and parts of New York state back in the in the eighty five
0: mm.
1: and eighty six. He uh, he had grown up and gone to university and become a screenwriter and ended up ended up writing a, a, a script for Steven Spielberg and became quite successful. He picks up the phone and he goes looking for his old buddies in Anvil. And I pick up the phone and it's you know Sasha Gervasi and he's going, okay, let's get together. So I, he, I go, okay, get together. How do you mean? Where are you? He goes, well, I'm down in L.A. And I go, what the fuck? You're from, you're from the U.K. What are you doing in L.A.? I have no idea what the hell he's up to or what he's been doing. Nothing. Right. So I, he goes. Listen, I'm going to send you a, an airline ticket to come, and I want you to come visit me in L in L A. And I'm going. What do you mean? Where have you got money to pay for something like that? He goes. Don't worry about it. Okay, just it, it's coming. Mm. Next thing, the next day, sure enough, there's an American airline air, airline ticket that gets delivered to me by FedEx. I get on the airplane the next day, and the next thing I know, I'm standing on the on the platform outside lax and i take a look and there he is a 35 year old man growing up from the teenager that i last knew but i can tell obviously it's the same guy and i'm going holy shit you know i get into the car and i go what the fuck what's going on man and and it's like and of course being the the close friends that we were we just kind of picked up where we left off and he starts telling me as we're driving and Sean Connery's old Jaguar. Wow! <laughs> like he starts telling me I worked for Steven Spielberg. I wrote the movie. <laughs> I wrote the movie, The Terminal. I went, "What the fuck? You're kidding me!" I just saw that movie. I I, I saw your name there, but it it just didn't register. I, I couldn't right. believe what the fuck was happening. Yeah. So of course, we hung out the whole weekend. Absolutely amazing time and. Of course, I brought down a whole all the records that, of course, he hadn't heard and all this stuff. And he takes me over to his buddy's place, this uh, a guy by the name of Steve Zalian, who is actually uh, a a script and screenwriter that that did Schindler's List with Steve Spielberg. So I end up at at Steve Zalian's house and I'm sitting on the beach at his beach house (laughs) with his wife who's washing the dog and Sasha's having a discussion. With with Steve in the in the kitchen as they're making coffee and he's going, Who the fuck did you bring to my house, man? <laughs> so he goes, Well, that's that's Steve Lips Cudlow, man. It's from the band Anvil. Have you ever heard of him? He goes, No. And he goes, Well, you know, they got like fucking twelve albums out. You know, he's fifty years old and he's still trying to make it. And the guy just looks at him, he goes, Now there is a fucking story, man. Right. Right? Yeah. So then, of course, that ding, ding, ding—the light bulb goes off in Sasha's head. I go home from from L.A. A week later, I get a phone call from him. He goes, "I'm coming back up to Toronto." I go, and "You're coming back up to Toronto? What do you mean? What's going on?" He goes, "I need to talk to you." So I go pick him up at the airport, and he we we drive over to his uncle's place that we that I used to go there 25 years before, uh-huh. and he sits me down in the living room, and he goes, "Listen." I'm going to make a movie about you. And I just about fucking passed out. I started bawling my eyes out. I I couldn't believe what the fuck I'm hearing.
2: Yeah.
1: Because right at that moment I realized my fucking ship just came in. Yeah. after all the time. Holy fuck, man. Are you kidding me? This is how it worked out? Mm. And of course it, it 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 came to reason to me in an, in a, in a in a quick flash that all the shit that I'd been through was all for this moment,
2: yeah.
1: And and it was uh, and you. When something like that happens, you really all of a sudden your life comes into complete focus. It's absolutely incredibly overwhelming. Right, and yeah, he's me, freaking out like this, and he's going, "What the fuck is your fucking problem, man?" <laughs> and I'm trying to explain it to him, and he's going, "Listen, I know that you're 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 psyched out and you're freaking out right now, but." Come on, man. We got a long, long journey, okay? Before you, I mean, you're seeing red carpets and fucking spotlights. You better fucking calm down, right? <laughs> wow. I, 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 it, I, whatever. I, I was convinced. I'm complete. Was completely convinced this is going to be the. This is it. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and I was essentially, and I was right because mm-hmm. nothing's been the same ever since. Really. At all, nothing's. I mean, I'm living the dream. I haven't. I haven't been back to a regular job in thirteen years. Oh wow! Uh, the band has not stopped working and putting out albums. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. That's what happened.
2: Oh, wow! Wow! Really worked out for you then? Yeah, I was going to ask you too if you were still working in the school or whatever you were working in. It was a school, right? You were a cafeteria. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: well, not a school I was working for for a catering company. Oh
2: yes, yep, that's right, yep.
1: Yeah, Yeah. so that's how it ended up. So uh, it's it's quite remarkable, and here we are, thirteen years after that, after the the movie had come out. What what I'm telling you about all happened in 2005. Between 2005 and 2008, finally the movie comes out in 2008. Nothing, everything has changed. The whole the whole landscape and everything about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and everything to do with my musical career is completely the opposite. We have stopped working and been in a, in a, in a total momentum that is absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, in, in retrospect and to look back and see and look at it all, nothing could have worked out better because ultimately, um, and this might sound weird. I had had a, a conversation with Lemmy in 1983 in a hotel room. Mm. Very I was going to ask
2: you about this too. All right. A yeah, very,
1: very <laughs> famous evening that I had with Flammy, uh, an all-nighter, uh, doing speed and drinking. Um, it, it just, it's just actually how everything kind of came together. We kind of looked at and saw the future in both of our eyes. All right. You know that that sounds like a weird thing to say, but um and I'm telling him all this stuff, and he's going, "Well, in ten years, somebody's going to tell you all this stuff." And sure enough, in that, and that, and that, and it was, it was closer to twenty years, and it was Sasha saying everything to me.
2: Yeah,
1: and it was Sasha who made us made us into into stars, and so far, so so it's it's quite incredible the way that that things actually worked out. It just it's just extremely magical. Right, nope. uh, and. You, you got to be lucky, man. It's about being lucky. It's about laying the foundation and spending the time and the effort and hard work, and you stay at it long enough and work hard enough and be be as dedicated to something. Eventually, you get lucky. Right? Yeah. You got to be at the right place at the right time, and sometimes it takes a long time for that combination to actually come to, come into play. Yeah, of course.
2: Um, was there any uh, point during your your uh, career that you would want to just stop doing anvil?
1: No because it was it was it, it, the thing is we had made enough of an impression with our first three albums to actually to maintain our or all we had to do was maintain the the writing uh, writing and keep writing and putting out records and there were always labels in Europe very willing and able to put out our our product, so yeah. that's how it ended up. Yeah. So we were able to finally, you know, here we were to go do our thirteenth album, and the guys running cameras, right? Right.
0: Yeah. And
1: it changed everything forever, and that's it. That that what can be said. But all during this period of time, you know, uh, I was I was able to keep regular a regular job. Mm. You know, I, I I bought my my real estate and set my life up. I was able to raise my son. I was home all the time to give him his his dinners on at lunchtime and stuff. I I, I got to live the a, sort of a regular life while right. I was still keeping my music going. And then once once the movie happened and everything, my son is already is now in finishing university and I'm out touring all the time i don't need to be home right yeah hey so,
2: so hey that was the reason why <laughs> you got to yeah, stay home so, with your kid most uh, musicians don't get to do that and they miss their right. whole kid's and, life so and
1: and, and you know uh, what i'm trying to say is all the obstacles uh, that lemmy told me to watch out for if you're going to get married you better you got to be home because if 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 a woman needs a, a shoulder to lean on and if your shoulder's not there she'll find another one.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: and 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 that is absolutely true. Although these are words of wisdom, you know, absolute one hundred percent wisdom. Yeah. And I was able to be home. I was able to to acquire my real estate. I was able to raise my 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 son. I was able to actually kind of establish myself mm. whilst still making music, right? Keeping it alive and keeping the interest and keeping the the, the whole. The whole furnace burning, yeah. and then when Sasha, of course, came along, bingo! Right, right. and now what a great retirement fa- plan! I don't, have to, <laughs> I don't have to go to, I don't have to, I don't have to go and do physical hard labor like doing the deliveries like that, yeah. and I, I travel all over the world, and I don't. The only responsibility that I have is to my wife, right. and, and she comes out to to Europe and stuff. Every every now and again, which is wonderful because she gets to you know it's like I'm actually getting to enjoy all the stuff without it getting wrecked.
2: Right. Yeah. From
1: being in rock and roll, mm. I got I got to I got to you know I got to the 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 detour. <laughs> <laughs> That's I really got lucky in that certain sense. Yeah. And I was able to avert all the, the problems that I'm sure. Uh, Bruce Dickinson would do anything to have had. Right, now that yeah. his spirit has fallen apart and everything is going to shit and it's costing a million to dollars, I'm sure that he. Will, I wish I had Lips's plan. <laughs>
2: right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh boy, but uh, yeah, glad it worked out. Um, is your son into music or anything?
1: Uh, well, you know what's really interesting. It's only only as of lately he uh, got he got he got suddenly interested enough to start playing guitar
0: yeah.
1: and I set him up. I gave him all the equipment. I gave him equipment here start learning. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was interested a little, you know, he said it, it, it's, it's actually quite, quite Some of the stuff is really hilarious. You know, yeah. um, we sent him to day camp, uh, when he was, I guess he was about six or seven years old and we had turned him on to Judas priest. So the Ripper became his ultimate favorite song, oh, so we, they picked him up in the in the bus, and they're having all the kids singing, you know, the wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> and going, You're in for a surprise, <laughs> You're in for a shock. Anyway, they're hearing this kid singing, singing the Ripper, and they're next thing you know, the phone is ringing, and they're going, uh, "Your son is singing some." pretty nasty lyrics you know i'm the devil in surprise you know i'm the devil in disguise and it's like okay uh avery maybe you shouldn't be singing that it's a day camp
2: I'm, tr- I'm trying to. Get- I got a three-year-old son. I'm trying to get him into some stuff too. He likes a couple things here and there, but he's, he can't get away from Peppa Pig, and Sesame Street. So
1: it'll take yeah, some time. It's actually pretty <laughs> neat when you watch them kind of develop on develop their own uh, tastes and stuff. He really got after he heard TNT and uh, uh, what do you call it, ACDC? He really got into ACDC, and and uh, I guess by the time he was five or six. They had that big SARS festival here in Toronto. Okay, yep. You know, we took him to see ACDC, and I had him on on my shoulders, and he's doing the devil sign, and he's like five years old. (laughs) So, of course, after all after all said and done, a few years later, of course, the movie had come out, and we got to open for ACDC, and I took my son. My son came with to the shows. And he got to meet Angus <laughs> wow so it's really? like a pretty remarkable uh turn of events and uh you know and then I guess some time after that he had really started acquiring his own taste, and he mm. became uh if, if you ever heard of Billy Talent he that's started, familiar. yeah, it's a Canadian band that's uh, sort of like um sort of like a green Day kind of style, that kind of era okay. Sort of a new new age punky rock,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he got into that. And we were playing, we were playing some festival, and they were at it. And of course, they were big Anvil fans, and they invited us onto the tour bus. And I took my son with, and it's like my son is meeting all these all of his favorite bands. He's like losing his mind. <laughs> <laughs> but what a way for the kid to kind of he's gets into stuff, and the next thing you know, he's Meeting the guys, and and then yeah. he got Green Day, and I know Doug Goodman, their their uh, tour manager. So I got invited down to that, and wow. so my son got to meet the guys in Green Day. It's like my my son has really had the, the opportunity to really have some absolutely stellar moments.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. Not too many kids can say that. It's cool.
1: Yeah, so it, it was kind of really cool for for, but at, but at the same time, he never really had the interest. Mm -hmm. in music to to actually learn and i tried to teach him i tried to talk him into it and he he just didn't want to know it's like that's what you do i don't want to do that
2: you know yeah yeah Yeah. how many kids want to do what their father does you know
1: yeah exactly (laughs) so you know now he's like 21 22 and he's like like all of a sudden he's got this interest now i want to learn how to play guitar so i set him up and he's been noodling and i've been turning him on to stuff like jeff Beck and Stuff like that.
2: Mm. Are you teaching him?
1: Um, no. Mm. No, he's actually doing it all on his own.
2: Oh,
1: okay. You know, when you got the internet, he doesn't need me. You know, it's like yeah, he's learning so. how to read, uh, what do you call it, charts and, you know, tab and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. going to sit down. What, what am I going to teach him that he can't learn off the internet? That's true. I mean, honestly, really, you know. <laughs> but
2: I mean, God, the the shit that you come up with on a guitar it just amazes me. Like it's just like album after album, you come up with such good good guitar riffs and stuff. It, it's just amazing. It, it, even like on the new album, it's just the the stuff that you do. Even your guitar solos are, are just awesome. And I was I was reading something earlier, and I didn't even know about this. uh Let me ask you to join Motorhead at one point.
1: Yes, that's right. And, and you turned it down. I had no choice. Why? I was in the middle of re- in the middle of recording my third album. I had enough going on during that third album. it <laughs> was <You> know, Motorhead. <laughs> I was recording that third album and David Krebs is is telling us to come and fucking tour with Aerosmith. Lemmy's asked me to join Motorhead. It's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Just let what, me get my job done, you know what I mean? I want to get the album done. As it was, we had to start all over again when we got back from the Aeros Aerosmith run.
2: <laughs> right, yeah. What year was that? In '83.
1: '83.
2: Right. Who left? Who left Motorhead at that point? Of
1: '83, man.
2: Who left? Who was um, the guitar player at Motorhead that it left?
1: It was. It was Eddie Clark. It
2: was okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You could have had a spot in Motorhead. But hey, it worked out for you anyway, so it doesn't matter, I guess, right? Twelve. I mean, Motorhead was around well, forever too. It may so. not have
1: worked out if I'd been in Motorhead. You right. know, maybe that's not working out. That's. It's not working out. And I wouldn't have been with Rob. And the, the Fortune oh, Fire I mean,
2: ended and working out you happen. being the same with and,
1: and and either would the other ten yeah. other albums that I recorded. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot that wouldn't have happened. There would have been, been no Anvil movie. It would have been really changed history in a huge yeah. way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you could have got kicked out of the motorhead the first week you were there, and then you would have screwed Anvil up, I guess, right? You
1: That's never know. Right. <laughs> no. There's no way we'll ever know what would have happened or what would have occurred or what the songs would have been like.
2: Yeah, yeah. You would have did a good job though. Like I said, your guitar playing's excellent. Um so uh how is Rob is uh you guys get along I guess fairly well because you've been you you two have been with each other forever, right?
1: Yeah, it's forty seven years.
2: Wow, that's a long time. Not too yeah. many bands around that can say that. Except for I guess Kiss maybe, right?
1: Yeah, I'm sure Gene and Paul have been playing together for 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 that kind of length of time. I don't think it's that unusual. I mean, come on, I I think that I think obviously uh, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, right?
2: Yeah, Yeah, I guess that's true too. But you 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 and Rob still like each other, right? I don't know if those other guys like each other. (laughs) A lot of them are just doing it for the money.
1: I don't know that they don't. You know, I wouldn't be be so. I wouldn't be too certain that they don't. When you've got the kind of money that we're talking about that these individuals have, they can do anything they want. They don't need to do anything. Yeah, that's true. They could stop tomorrow and not bother with anything at all, never mind play together.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. So what keeps you keep uh, uh to keep going with the uh, anvil? Especially how old are you now?
1: I'm I'm 63. I'm going to be 64. Oh, yeah. In a few weeks. Yeah. Wow,
2: that's great. That's cool.
1: Especially playing. You know, the the, the the 90s when I was doing all that physical labor kept me in good shape, man. Yeah,
2: you must yeah. be because you're you're playing like you're at your age. There's not many bands playing the speed that you guys are playing and the heaviness that you guys are playing. I mean, it's insane. You guys don't but slow down. You don't write no bad. ballads.
1: It's the massive tours, too. Who's yeah. doing 50 shows in a row? who's doing 50 shows these days yeah. who is in their 60s i don't yeah. know
2: <laughs> yeah not many but uh yeah you guys don't really write any ballads or anything you're you're writing the heaviest stuff because there's like a, a lot of other bands that um you know are older and you can tell when they're writing like this they stole down the music and they it just sounds like older person's people's music you know in a way but you guys don't you sound like a a younger band and it's it's amazing <sighs>
1: staying relevant see we're not a hit single band no
2: never have been but you do have some hit singles.
1: yeah that you're never going to hear on the radio
2: right in a million
1: but fuck do you, of years <laughs> do you do you need that in this day and age
2: though with the the way you no, know, like you spotify
1: you never needed it at any point because that's not what metal real metal music is about it's not about that right it's about the fans and the band yeah it's not about radio play and what some somebody is for force-feeding uh, an audience to listen to. Right. It's not about that, and you don't want to be part of that. But, you know, having said all that, in order to really make it big, there are a number of things that really need to be in place. And like Lemmy said in the Anvil movie, you've got to be at the right place at the right time. Mm. Now, there, there's, there, there's a lot of wisdom and truth in what he's saying, but not only do you have to be at the right place at the right time, it's with the right people. Right. And it's not about the members in your band. It's about the people that are doing business yeah. for your band and with your band. Yeah. And yeah. and then there's the, the, the sheer luck of it all and striking the right chord at the right time with the hum- with the people out there, with the yeah. sheep. Yeah. having the right song and it, having the right song at the right time um you know sammy hagar I had we had a, a long discussion with him and he started telling me about you gotta get lucky he says right. man look at all the fucking songs i've written in my career and i wrote i can't drive 55 and it finally fucking happens he says, <laughs> right. i got lucky one, one day i got lucky and all that fucking shit, and all the songs I've written, I got lucky once, <laughs> and I've still been looking for another one, and I can't find it. Yeah, yeah it's it's getting lucky, man. You know, yeah. um, this particular album, and it's like I, and he's right because you always do the best you can. And you always have a, come up with great ideas, and you come up with a magical riff, and you come up with whatever lyrics and whatever, and you you hope that the combinations. Click, and then you put the record out. You got to hope that the people like it, and all the all the, the different the different facets and combination. And then you see what happens. In this particular case, like as an example, I, I write the riff. I write this riff, and and um, we go out on the road, and we get I, we get we get uh, we go to to Colorado. Some friend of mine gives me a a handful of pot in, in, a, in a little tiny. plastic bag and i wrap it kleenex stick it in my pocket across the border i see drug dogs on patrol (laughs) I'm all fucking freaked out i put i put the fucking pot on the on the on the on the dashboard moving my fanny pack out of the way i'm trying to stuff it down my pants i roll the window down because i'm getting all fucking sweaty because i'm nervous and the pot flies out the window and the cop sees it oh my god (laughs) so they pull us over they fucking bust me Bust me for littering and and for a gram of pot. Three hundred and fifty bucks later and a and a fucking and and a and a fucking almost shitting my pants. Find <laughs> out that okay, well there's no criminal charge. And here I am in the USA, I'm a Canadian citizen. I'm thinking, Oh, now I'm going to fucking jail yeah. and I'm getting right. deported, right? Oh yeah. great. And none of that happened. It's just like wow. they take our pot, they take my pot away, they give me a, a fucking ticket and I go ahead, guys, see you later. <laughs> And Lucky. the next thing I know, I'm going, okay, give me a piece of paper. I write down all the fucking, I write down all, I write a, a whole fucking poem story out of it. We get, and then I realize, oh, fuck, I got a great riff for this.
0: Yeah.
1: Fit, fit all the lyrics on it, fit all the song. Next thing I know, I'm going, wow, that's fucking, what a great fucking song this is making. So yeah. we're finishing the song and we need a, 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 somebody to help us with an album cover that the, an artist comes down and goes, hey, that's a great song. I th- I can make a fucking I can make a fucking cartoon video out of this <laughs> cartoon video. Wow. Wait a minute. And it's a, OK. Lyric video. Wait a minute. Cartoon video lyrics. Right. Fucking amazing. Who, no one's ever done this. And it's like bing, 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 bing. It's that lucky magic. Yeah. Right. And there you got your nabbed in Nebraska.
2: Yeah. That's my favorite song of this new album
1: yeah right and and that's how stuff like that happens it's not because you planned it it's not because you know it's just shit falls into place it's the sammy hagar theory of of making it you get yeah. fucking lucky man <laughs> yeah
2: who's, who's um are you singing is everybody singing in the band singing backups this or do you have like special guests singing backups because i noticed there's like well, there, a big are,
1: thing in, 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 we have you know when we were in germany there, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent and friends around and we've got a, a great, a great, a great production crew. And um, when we needed some backup vocals, particularly gang vocals, we mm-hmm. invite a whole bunch of guys into the studio and they came and did it. Um, but um, the, the the other magical aspect is finding the right bass player that, that, that can do great backup vocals. So mm-hmm. you, we got, it, it's the best combination we've ever had. That's more of getting lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Not just I mean you can plan stuff all, you know, best laid plans. You know what I mean? Right. And it yeah. still works, but it's when you actually let things happen and grow and and mature in its own way that you get the get this kind of thing going on. And you know, we're at we're at a place in and in, in time in our our career, I think that we're hitting that really good moment you know so yeah. hopefully everything will click and we'll get that luck and that the right people in the right place and you know we're with a new record label and new people promoting us and maybe we're we'll we'll, um... a little bit bigger and we'll grow a bit bigger and we'll get more even more successful and i'll we'll have even more fun yeah
2: I hope so what <laughs> uh, label are you on now <laughs> what, what was that
1: more fun and more, more, more great, uh, more money in my retirement, in my <laughs> retirement plan.
2: <laughs> uh, what record label are you on now?
1: A- AFM.
2: Oh, A F M. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah.
1: Um, Dustin Hardman is doing our promotion. Who is? Yeah. Really superb.
2: Yep, yep. I constantly get his emails, and that's uh, that's how I set up this interview with you, through him. Um. Yeah, the, the, the new album's awesome. Uh, Legal at last. I love that song too. The the uh, opening track. Um, now, track number three, Chemtrails. Are you a, no, a conspiracy theorist?
1: No, it's not. It's yeah, it's a conspiracy. Is it? A conspiracy? <laughs> it's just because. Show me the science. Show me the proof. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, Okay, well, what are you a God guy? Where's the science? Where's the proof? <laughs> Come on, man. Isn't God a conspiracy theory?
2: Yes, he is. It is. Right? <laughs> it is. Like, yep. What the
1: fuck, man! But but yet, when you can see see chemtrails in the sky, you've got checkerboards in the sky right in front of your eyes. Oh, it's just it's just regular passenger planes leaving right. yeah. the sky. Yeah. And meanwhile, those streaks sit there for six hours. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yep. Th- that's no conspiracy. There's yeah. something going on.
2: Oh, well, it definitely is. Some
1: people don't want to admit it. It's a. It's like you know, hey greta greta is 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 being paid to to say all this yeah. stuff about the environment, like what the fuck what's the truth man right how dare you that's what you want to believe what <laughs> the fuck is that
2: right and they then they pick a, a child to uh to you know do that you know to try to oh, you know pull on everybody's heart
1: she's not just picked she's 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 a men's uh, student she's a fucking genius kid. Yeah. That's not just a fucking. It's you know, and people don't want to know about that. Yeah. The information is there, but oh, God forbid you should read about it or find find out the information. She, it's actually legitimate shit. Mm. Yeah. People don't. She's not being paid. Uh, I don't know if she's being paid, she's but she paid. might be being taught. Everybody has their doubts, right? right. Everybody has their doubts. I'm. I. i i am just. I just see things for what they are. I don't. I don't listen, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even on Facebook. I, yeah. I I can't handle it anymore.
2: Yeah, I noticed <laughs> you left.
1: <laughs> yeah, everybody's opinions and everybody's everybody's full of shit because yes. no one is reading, no. right? Man. And if, if you don't read, you're not going to find out the information, and you got to read the right in the right places. That means not not the not not the National Enquirer. Right. <laughs> okay? and and even even when you're reading uh, stuff like uh, the New York Times, you got to c- kind of question that because where are they getting their information from? Right, so yeah, it, yeah, you got to be careful, and that's what I'm saying. What's the truth? It's what you right. want to believe. Yeah. So you know, it, it, people don't want to hear the truth, and and you know, in in the sense that especially if it costs money, mm. it's money out of your own pocket then it's all bullshit, right? right. We, we're all in denial of that, that, that humanity has actually caused a lot of damage to this fucking planet. No one wants to be accountable. No one wants to be responsible. And certainly no one wants to pay for it. Right. So where are we? What are we doing? Yeah. So, you know, that, that, these, are all, these are all the questions. A lot of stuff. It's like, why, is marijuana, why was marijuana made illegal? Right come on yeah, man. Just, people people you've got to ask that question. why right. was it made legal right. especially when virtually there was no there was no uh information there was no no research no one knows what the fuck is going on with it or or especially in the 1930s. but right. what they did know is they know they knew that if they if they let that that plant be grown and it, it to be manufactured and be looked at looked after it was gonna fucking destroy, destroy the cotton industry, mm. the, the pulp and paper industry, the lumber industry.
2: Yeah. It was a
1: huge, massive threat to the to the to the national economy of the world.
2: Yeah. yeah Make all, about, all about money.
1: All about money. Mm. Because but trust me when I tell you, and you don't even have to trust me, you everybody knows the government doesn't give a shit what's good for you or bad for you. No. All they care about is money. Exactly. And if they if they, if they did care, we wouldn't be smoking cigarettes. We, right. wouldn't be, we certainly wouldn't be drinking alcohol. And these are re- these are addictive drugs.
2: Yeah.
1: This is re- that is really addictive drugs. Marijuana is not addictive. Right. And it, it's far less harmful in in the sense. For on, on on a on a on a health health wise, than alcohol or cigarettes, but
0: yeah.
1: that's besides the point, right? But yeah. what is it going to do to our economy? But now that when they, when they they take a look at the, the whole situation and they go, hey, wait a minute, they're looking at Colorado. what? They're out. They're out of debt. What do you mean? <laughs> they're making fucking money. Wait, yeah. we got to get in on this, yeah. right? And now all of a sudden it's all cool. Let's legalize it. And then, then they get an intelligent. Well, people are driving around high. Well, people have been driving around high for fifty fucking years. Exactly. Well, but, but what are they thinking? Hey, we can charge people with driving impaired, so right. there's more money to be made. Yeah. Like you just look at what, what one thing leads to another. It's what a fucking world we're living in, man. Yeah, it's
2: <laughs> it's insane I even when my kid. I hate to have, like bring my kid up into this shit. You know, it's just it's insane.
1: Well, it's just we're we're cavemen with computers, right?
2: Yeah, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. it was still still was still fighting over whose god is better when you can't prove that there is right. one.
2: Right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it makes no sense. <laughs> and,
1: and and meanwhile, they could have had they could have had battery cars. From fifty, sixty years ago, if right. not longer, and who knows where we would be with battery technology if they had started with it instead of instead of trying to put it away? Because of course the oil companies let's let's abolish it, right? Yeah, can't let that happen. But what do we do? To, what do we do? We kept on building building fossil fuel engines that pollute our air, and then we've got fucking we've got we've got to we've got to send airplanes up to to, to emit alumina to to <laughs> sunlight to keep keep the, the 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 temperature of the planet down and that's called chemtrails but we can't we can't that doesn't exist that's not real that's that's a conspiracy theory right <laughs> you know we can't let marijuana marijuana you can make diesel fuel you can make plastics and plastics and 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 fabric fabric so that, you know instead of having blue jeans we'd have green jeans and, and it lasts for 20 years but that would have put levi's out of business so we got to make sure marijuana stays illegal like it's, right. it's just a fucking crazy world man
2: it is crazy now you guys legalized it over there what uh two years ago or yeah it's, years it, ago?
1: It's, it's yeah it's about a year and a half ago now right.
2: uh, they still didn't legalize it here it, in new york yet it was
1: no. october 17th a year, a year ago, a year and a half ago, right? Oh, okay. It was yeah. All right. Yeah, they still did not
2: legalize it here. I mean, I think you get like the liquid thing or so. I don't know. I don't smoke anyway. But still,
1: yeah. Uh, the other, the other know, two guys what, I do the it, show with. Huh? Yeah, it's what? interesting. I, 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 I kind of quit because I, I, I quit cigarette smoking, mm. and I was smoking pot with with my tobacco and the and I'm and tobacco is being like addicted to fucking heroin, man. It, right. to, to quit tobacco is a real serious fucking thing, man. Mm-hmm. So I had to quit smoking pot in order to do it because I was doing it together and it's like I got it they both got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm I'm at the point where I don't really smoke anything. Mm-hmm. Um on occasion I will smoke a pipe load of pot, sit down at my computer and write 30 songs. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the only time I'll smoke because it's like, it's like opening the door to your imagination when you, when you do that. And especially if you stop smoking, you really get high Mm. and, and all the bottled up energy and, and ideas come out really easy when you smoke. Yeah, so yeah,
2: that's what I hear,
1: and that's that's what i and it's so to me that's i now I'm using the drug properly
2: hmm. right, yeah, to be creative
1: it is, the, the abuse of it is when you use it and you get so used to it that now you're smoking to get normal right <laughs> and it's not a, it, it's not addiction it's, right. it's it really it, it, there is no such thing as. Mer- being addicted to marijuana, I had no problem stopping smoking pot. The yeah. big problem was stopping tobacco. Yeah. Un- yeah, you never unbelievable, man.
2: Yeah. yeah, you never hear any uh, pills being uh, made to you know stop you from smoking marijuana. It's always like cigarettes or something, you know.
1: No, no, you well, you don't. They're, they're, they're massive, massive difference. And yeah. people are really. Are you, I mean, even coffee is much more addictive than pot. You can't overdose on pot. Right. Yeah. And that tells, that's got to tell you something right there. Have you ever heard of anybody overdosing on marijuana? Never no, heard
2: Sir, it.
1: It's not <laughs> going to happen.
2: No, nope, I don't think so. <laughs> um, so how did, how, how is this uh, album different from like the last time? Like, did you record this any differently or um, you use any different instruments or anything, or you pretty much record always the same?
1: Yeah, we just go in and record as a band, the same old way. Oh, know? so you
2: actually like go into a studio and practice with each other and everything? I guess you have time now because you don't got any your own jobs. So.
1: <laughs> That's, right. Yeah. That's right. We write all the songs in in our rehearsal studio, rehearse for you know a good four months before going into the recording studio, bang out the bed tracks in two, three days, yeah. and I do the rest of the work. Wow. <laughs> really cool
2: yeah a lot of bands don't do that everybody's like even uh, i have a band and it's just me and my friend and uh we share files back and forth on the computer we don't go into a studio anymore it's, you know it's we just don't have the time to do that but it's good to know that you you know get together with the guys and actually put the we, we, music together
1: yeah we record it like a real band you yeah. and rob plays the bed track top to bottom
2: yeah
1: we, the whole band plays as a band so right. the the, 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 there's a bed track the, the, you know the basic fundamental tracks are done as a band
2: mm. yeah I think and that makes the songs you better click,
1: you don't use click tracks you don't use any of that shit so it has a real natural feel we do it really old school style but with modern technology All
2: right yeah you can tell that you guys you know do that because you know a lot of bands you can tell that they're you know, doing like what I do or, or, you know, playing with the click track because everything is just always on time and everything. And it's just uh, so unrealistic. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel, it feels robotic, you know, and your stuff doesn't at all, especially with uh, Rob's drums. I mean, he's a big, I'm a drummer. He's a big influence on me with his drums ever since I, you know, found out you guys and uh, just hearing the way Rob plays drums and just how he, I guess he almost has like a, like a jazz uh, feel to him. Like he's like a kind of like a jazz drummer, maybe.
1: Yeah, well, it's the influence. We 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 both love Buddy Rich. We're mm-hmm. Buddy Rich fanatics, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> Although I'm a guitar player, I love drumming. Yeah, I I love the art of drumming, and I I have a very deep appreciation and understanding into that instrument.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, and I think what makes Anvil really ultimately different from most bands, it's a drum-oriented. It's drum oriented music. It yeah. is.
2: Yeah.
1: We are specifically doing stuff for the sake of the feel more more so than anything else. All but right. that's that's really the center focus and it always has been. And mm. the music is being written by a drummer and a guitar player, not right. not a guitar player and a singer. Right. <laughs> and, and and now having said that, that's why it's so integral and became so integral to listen to Anvil, uh, the, the, like other musicians, like Metallica and stuff like that. It's because it's it's because it is centered around drums. Yeah. And let's face it, heavy metal drumming is what makes it drumming metal, or what right. makes metal metal. A riff is a riff, but what are you playing to it?
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. it's you, gotta have you know, double bass right. or something.
1: You can play you can play a single bass drum beat to a speed riff, but it's not the same as playing a double bass drum beat right. to that speed riff. All right. And Rob was one of the first guys to to kind of do that. Yeah. So it became, and these were the things that we discovered as young guys. Uh it wasn't it wasn't done with oh we're gonna teach the world a new method. It was like, Oh, this is fucking cool, check mm. this yeah. out. Like yeah.
2: Yeah, he, he reminds me a lot of uh Garl Samuelson from uh Megadeth, like the original drummer from Megadeth. Yes, right. a, a very similar style to him and uh yeah, he's just he's uh Rob's awesome. He still do uh, does his painting and stuff.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah.
2: He, who did the artwork for this album? He didn't do this one, right?
1: No, no, he did it for the Anvil is Anvil. That was yep. Rob's. He's very, he's very much into still life yeah. uh, stuff like that, and that's how that came to be. And it was his, it was his idea that once we came up with Anvil is Anvil, he's going. That's re- I, I know exactly what I want to do. I'm going to put an anvil in a mirror. Right. Anvil is Anvil, and I went, "Fuck, that's great! I love it." <laughs> You know, a lot of people went, like, Well, that's such a stagnant cover. It's so fucking to me, it's so pure.
2: Right.
1: How pure can you get? You got you got the drummer of the band created the album cover. You right. know what I mean? It's yeah. it's like and the album is called Anvil is Anvil. It's like right. it can be more pure than that. <laughs> yeah, it works. Um
2: yeah. you have a favorite song off your new album?
1: Uh Probably said and done. Oh, really? Yeah, and because of the philosophy of it. Which is what? Basically, to be the best you can possibly be and do the best you possibly can and have no regrets Mm. with life. Yeah. So I I I think that that that's pretty much my kind of theme of my life is... To not have regrets to do everything that I possibly can the best I can, so that i i i don't i don't feel sorry or fucking fucked up later
2: right you know yeah, yeah.
1: and that includes like i like we talked about uh, making sure my marriage worked, making sure I was there for my my son and my ki- my my kids and my to have to have the things in life that are important and make sure that they're they're nurtured and looked after and appreciated, yeah. Uh, it's being and doing the best it can without having to have any regrets. And that's what that song's about. So to me it's kind of um a theme for myself. So I think that's why I like it. And that and the fact that it's so Sabbathy, which is my all time favorite band of <laughs> Oh
2: really?
1: Yeah. Right. Real cool.
2: Do you do you still talk to um what was his name? Uh, your old bass player that was in the movie, John Five, is that his name? Or oh, Rob
1: Glenn 5, no. Glenn
2: 5, yes, Glenn 5.
1: You don't no, a no, um, lot of bad blood. Really? Yeah. Unfortunately, um, he became very, very envious and jealous and in competition with Rob and I. That just mm-hmm. doesn't work. you know?
2: It was a shame because he was with you guys for a very long time.
1: Well, you know what? <laughs> it's not a shame when you get the right guy in hmm. replacement.
2: All right all right well everybody please go check out uh anvil's new album uh it is called legal at last <laughs> legal at last and uh it is released well he says february, 4th, february 14th amazon says february 21st so just go buy it for wherever it comes out first and uh anything else you want to tell us before we leave
1: no, just a, a, how grateful I am that I got to talk to you and that, uh, you know, it was a great interview. I think I covered just about everything and anything.
2: I think so. I think so. And we're not getting any more new bass players, right? Are we set on this
1: one? No, I think we're real set <laughs> on this one. All right. I I, so. no more, it, it, it really worked out. I got the right guy. Yeah. It's really the right guy. And w- most importantly, he's my friend, and yeah. fucking he singing great.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's all that matters. As long as everything's working out.
1: Yeah, the singing, the singing is a is actually more is almost more important than any kind of a, other accompaniment because yeah. it's the out front stuff.
0: Yeah. You know, you think- when you hear
1: "legal, legal, legal," it's like it's like the Three Stooges. It sounds fucking awesome.
2: Right? Will you ever let him sing his own song? Maybe once.
1: Uh, I don't think he really wants to. Uh-huh. You know, that's a thing. He's not really. He's not really up for that kind of thing. Yeah. Alright.
2: Alright, well thank you very much. I really appreciate it, and uh, I had fun talking to you.
1: Okay, th- have a All good right. and yeah. I'll speak to you again sometime,
0: right? Yeah.